Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour, number 117, with Buffalo, Jim, and Patrick, and a very special guest host. Billy Eli couldn't be here today, so we brought somebody in who knows more than he does. <laughs> Just kidding, Billy. But we'll introduce her as we get into the program. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, August 15th, 2020. And we're going to be talking about the greatest live albums ever recorded. The podcast is brought to you today by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken, responsibly raised on family farms. With no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Fresh stuff, baby. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. That's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but take my word for it. Buffalo says it tastes great. It tastes better. It really tastes better than other chicken. I'm not kidding you. It's fantastic. If you go online and you order or wherever you go to get it, just tell them, even at the grocery store, <laughs> tell them Michael Buffalo from Kudzu said to buy the chicken. But especially tell them that if you write to them uh, at SpringerMountain.com because we want them to know that you're listening to us talk about how great they are and uh, we will continue to do so. How about that? The show is also brought to you by a wonderful rock and roll band. One of my very favorites. That little old band from Los Angeles. (laughs) The Box Masters, baby. They have a smoking hot new platter out called Light Rays. It's already getting rave reviews coast to coast and around the world. Light Rays, Light Rays features the hit single, Breathe Easy, my theme song, along with a box full of other great tracks, and in my opinion, it's the best album the band has done yet. The album will be available on CD, vinyl, and downloads in September. Because of the COVID, it got pushed back a little bit, but it's going to be coming. Meanwhile, you can hear uh, Breathe Easy online. And uh, go ahead and order in advance. Get it on vinyl, baby. Nothing like the warm sound of vinyl. But get a CD as well. In fact, get a CD, (laughs) an LP, and a download, like me. Then you'll know you really like the Boxmasters. The band uh, wants you to mark your calendar because... The summer tour had to be postponed like everybody's was due to the COVID, but we're very hopeful that by next summer, if not long before then, we'll be back in the swing of things. So they've scheduled uh, the tour in the summer of 2021, not only in the United States, but also Europe. Read all about the new album, the tour, and much more at theboxmasters.com. That's theboxmasters.com. Follow them on social media, Facebook and Instagram. 
JD does an outstanding job of keeping new pictures and stuff up on the Boxmasters official uh, Instagram page. Check them out, man. Check them out. Also wanted to say that the uh, current issue of Kudzu Magazine is still out there for you. It's always going to be out there for you, but if you hadn't seen it yet, make sure and um, read it. It's absolutely free, and you can um, get it online uh, at kudzumag.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G.com. Issue number 38, it's got Jack Pearson interview. It's got an interview with Dick Woolley, who was a uh, great promotions man for Atlantic Records and Capricorn Records. It's got an interview with Scott Freeman, the original uh, Almond Brothers Band biographer. Uh, archived interview with the great Bonnie Bramlett. So much stuff, man. Just all kinds of stuff in that issue. Now, coming up September 1st will be issue number 39. And it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. The cover story interview with Dan Penn. An archived interview with Chips Moman. A memorial to Charlie Daniels. Uh, sadly, we've got several obit write-ups in the in the issue, but uh, we've lost a lot of great people. And uh, but they say it's uh, it's all part of life. Death is part of life, but it doesn't make it any easier, does it? <laughs> but we're going to have some uh, tributes in that issue, and. Uh, also, we've got a big feature on what I think is the breakout band of 2020, the Georgia Thunderbolts. We're going to be listening to uh, one of their songs at the end of this very podcast. But for right now, for right now, we're going to kick things off with a tune. In keeping with the what has sort of become a tradition uh, of playing a song that we talked about the week before. <laughs> Is it last week or the week before we were talking about Todd Snyder? So I dug out the uh, 2004 album East Nashville Skyline and I'm going to play this track. I love this track. We'll be back with the uh, panel right after this song. This is Todd Snyder and the Ballad of the Kingsman. Kingsmen came together in a garage They could hardly even play But they practiced night and day And pretty soon they got to where they could really play that song Louie Luai So they saved up all the money from the shows Went into one of them studios And gave their version of the song a try Now, I don't know the words to that song Louie Luai And I'm pretty sure the singer for the Kingsmen didn't know him either If he did know him, he didn't get him right on the record Cause on the record they sound jumbled in his jaw Says, me think of me girl oh so constantly. Ah, may I make ah, Well, that last part scared everybody from the PTA to the FBI. You see, the kids have been going kind of crazy lately, and it seemed like nobody could figure out why. So they decided to form a coalition, launch an investigation, you know, for the children. They at least had to. Figure out the words to Louie Louie. 
feel good Head of this endless summer It gets these kids out of control Singing along to that star-spangled bomber Hail, hail Sick of getting beaten up by the pulling guard all week Only to go out on the weekend and watch the quarterback get all the girls So, he formed the band, man Now, he gets all the girls A few years later, a couple of latchkey kids go tragically mad And everybody's standing around the television store at the mall Trying to figure out what went wrong This guy says, you think the life of a kid going to high school could have gotten so bad? This other guy says, no, it's just the worst of one of them goddamn Marilyn Manson songs You know the it's the feel good Hit of this endless summer It gets these kids out of control Singing along to that star-spangled bomber You know, every 10 years or so, our country and some other little country, we start firing all our newest weapons at each other. For some reason or another, right or wrong, like it or not, it happens. And when it happens, people get shot. And when people get shot, they show it on TV a lot, every night at 6 o'clock. And you don't even have to be 18 to see it. You don't even have to be in first grade. First grade where they teach the kid the pride, they tell him he'll need to thrive in a world where they say that only the strong will survive. So he's taught the art of more to compare to and to keep score. Monday through Friday while he stares at the floor until Sunday, they make him go to school once more. Only this time they make him wear a suit and a tie and listen to some guy who claims to know where people go when they die. Tell him that only the meek are gonna inherit the earth. Well shit, by this time, the kid doesn't know what anything is worth. Now brothers and sisters, I am only one guy. And I don't even know the words to that song, Louie Lua. But I can tell you right now, without batting an eye, that the next time some latchkey kid goes wrong, it ain't gonna be cause that Eminem gets to say the word bag in his song. And I'm not trying to preach to you either. I'm just trying to sing to you too. You know, string a few words together. Hey kid. Let's get it on That's the great Todd Snyder, y'all. And uh, that came from his 2004 album, East Nashville Skyline, The Ballad of the Kingsman. Very excited about the program today, folks. Uh, we uh, 
Billy Eli could not make it today. The unexplainable is still unexplainable because I can't explain why he's not here other than he's not. But we will miss him and we'll see him next time. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Inexcusable. Wait, I think I heard something in the background. I have my volume. It's so weird. I have to turn my volume up to hear you guys and down so I don't feed back. It's crazy. I don't know. Maybe I can figure this out one of these days. Um, anyway, Billy can't be here, but we do have our buddies, the two, I like to call them musicologists from Austin, Texas. Two guys who will probably not list Barry Manilow Live among their all-time favorite live albums. You got me. Probably. You got me. Although he does write the songs that make the whole world cry. And they make me cry, that's for sure. Patrick Beach and Jim Hip Hill. Yo, 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 buff. How's it going? Going good. I know at the beginning of the program I said we were going to have a special guest join us. But as it were, Miss Lisa had storms last night and could not be here either. But maybe on a future cast she will join us we can only hope because uh it'll be it'd be interesting we like to meet we like to meet new people here what can i say what can i say um i did want to say that the uh podcast is available all over the place folks i don't know how you're listening to it now if you're listening to it on anchor that's great but if you want to check it out on Apple iTunes Podcast, Apple iTunes Podcast, it's there. It's also on Spotify and Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and uh, wherever fun podcasts are given away for free, <laughs> that's where you'll find us. The uh, quickly only shameless self-promotion end, I did want to say, Thanks to the folks who have tuned into my new uh, YouTube channel, Ambassador of Southern Rock. Uh, already posted two or three interviews on there, and there's going to be a whole lot more. So if you guys are into the Southern Rock thing, please go to Ambassador of Southern Rock channel and subscribe. We thank you. We thank you very much. Um, so... Today, we're going to talk about, uh, first of all, well, we're going to talk about the greatest live albums ever. But first, as always, we like to, each of us is going to recommend for you some stuff to uh, fill your spare time at home. Uh, a book, perhaps a book, an album, and a movie slash DVD slash download. And I think that uh, being the gentleman that I really am, we're going to go to uh, Mr. Jim Hemphill first and let him uh, share his thoughts on good stuff right quick. Well, thank you very much, Buff. Um, I got a theme this week, um, which the real theme is I was kind of lazy. But mm. my theme my theme that I'm going to tell you what it is is the Beatles. Uh my book is John Lennon, The Life by Philip Norman. Philip Norman has been a Beatles chronicler for, for decades and decades. And uh, I'm in the middle of his book now on Paul McCartney, but I have finished the Lennon book. And 
you know, John Lennon, my favorite Beatle, uh, not the nicest guy in the world in his personal life. I think that's pretty well documented. <laughs> Got that right. But musically, uh, a genius to me, and uh, and it's a it's a you know it's a it's it's not a biography that's a real page turner like what's going to happen next what's going to happen next but it's an exhaustive document of Lennon's origins where he came from how his family was so screwed up uh you know and how he developed into what he developed into and you know anyone who's who's deeply into Beatles uh I would definitely recommend this too and like I said about halfway through the McCartney book that Philip Norman wrote and it's similar uh in in its approach so uh you know if you're a Beatles fan, you, sh you should be, whether you are or not, and uh, you should read this book. And then my uh, album and movie are even lazier because it's the same thing. It's a hard day's night. Um, first, I'll talk about the movie. Uh, it is utterly charming movie, uh, and it's a great light escape uh, in, in days like this. It's in beautifully shot black and white. Uh, it just looks fantastic on DVD and it's just, you know, it's, uh, the, the amount of charisma and personality that those four guys exuded was just unbelievable. It was a, it was a combination of people that, that was, you know, just fate brought them together. It, it's, it's pretty incredible, but the music, and when I say the album, of course, I mean the British edition, which is widely available now, the one that came out in the United States when the movie came out was half Beatles songs and half orchestral arrangements from the soundtrack. That's not the one to get, not the one with the red cover, but the one with the blue cover that is all Beatles songs. It was the first Beatles album to, to have all originals, no covers. And it's just so uplifting and happy and filled with moments of melody and counter melody and guitar parts and Paul McCartney, one of the greatest rock bass players ever, frankly, just ask Gene Simmons. He'll tell you. Yeah. Um, it's just a, a terrific <clears throat> record. And back in, back in my, back in the day when, you know, driving around, listening to music was, was something that we all had time to do. That was one of the records that I would, or one of the tapes that I would pull out, when I wanted to take a drive and just kind of escape, uh, uh, it's just front to back, a terrific, terrific record. Probably one of my top three Beatles records along with Revolver and Rubber Soul. So uh, those, those are my picks, Hard Day's Night. Go back, if you've seen it, see it again. If you haven't, damn, darn it, you should. Hey, I agree. <laughs> Never seen anything like that movie when it first came out. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right, uh, Patrick, uh, please share. Oh, this is just going to be so weird without the inexcusable Billy Eli, but uh, <laughs> inexcusable. Uh, I got, <laughs> I, I've been calling. That's what I call that record. I've been calling it the inexcusable Billy yeah. Eli for, ever since it came out. Well, I, I always, got, I, got, I always got it wrong, but accidentally got it wrong. I always called it. Uh, Let's see. Wait, what is the what's the real title? Un what? Un unexplainable. Unexplainable. I called unexplainable. it unpredictable. Yeah. And that was also a, also true. But it was, it was accident. True. But anyway, 
on uh, on with the show there, uh, Patrick. Oh well, uh, I got a great book for you. I uh, just finished it yesterday. Uh, it's a novel that came out in the spring, right when the pandemic was first being called a pandemic, and it will get your mind off this pandemic because it's about an airborne pandemic. <clears throat> it's by uh, it's by a guy I've mentioned before, Lawrence Wright, who's a staff writer for the New Yorker. He lives here in Austin. The book is called The End of October, mm. and it. Uh, had its it was first seated when Ridley Scott asked him to uh, research a screenplay about an airborne pandemic and that project didn't come to anything but he did all this reporting and talked to all these people about how you would handle a global pandemic and the geopolitical uh, crises that would that would come from that and what it has in droves is uh, verisimilitude it really, it is a novel that really, really rings true. It's like, you know, we always talk about, Jim knows this too, we always talk about the new journalism and how it takes uh, fictional techniques and applies them to nonfiction. This is, he's taking journalistic techniques and applying them to fiction that reads like nonfiction because we're living it right now. It's an incredible book. It came out, like I said, maybe in March and, uh, it's very, very eerily prescient. The end of October. That's my book. My movie, I somehow escaped seeing this my whole life until just this week. It's from 1955, the first feature film by Louis Maul, the French director, called Elevator to the Gallows. I'm a little surprised this didn't come up in the film classes I took at Iowa State, but man, oh man, is it a very assured debut narrative feature it's about a war profiteer it's 10 years after world war ii a parisian war profiteer who has a subordinate and the subordinate is having an affair with the war profiteer's wife and the two of them decide that they've got to kill the war profiteer so that they can be together and predictably things go well at first until they don't and then a bunch of bad stuff happens, and it keeps you guessing until the end, as people love to say. But it was complete news to me, and I just stumbled across a list of, like, 200 noirs that you haven't probably seen. Strictly speaking, this is not a noir. Uh, it doesn't look like a noir anyway, no more than Chinatown does. But it's a really, really expertly done thriller. So that's my movie, Elevator to the Gallows, and there's a reason it's called that. Record. I wish I could say I've been buying more new music of late, but I'm pretty sure I haven't bought any new music since uh, Jason Isbell's reunion. So I've been digging through some old stuff, and I spent some time this week with an old friend of mine from the late 90s, Bandwagon F by Teenage Fan Club, often called accurately the Great Lost Big Star record. It's just uh, not unlike Implants, who I mentioned yesterday or last week, uh, you know, really crunchy power pop, expert songwriting, uh, orchestral flourishes in a few places. And it's just, you can just put it on and let the whole thing run. There's not a dud track on it. My record this week from what, maybe 1997, Jim? Does that sound about no, right? No, I think it's earlier than that. Uh, Is it? My guess would be 92. Yeah. Let, let me call up. But yeah, it's funny you should mention that because I was listening to uh, uh, Sirius XM Underground Garage, the dude who was in that one band in D Generation. 
can't call his name right now. He's got that ah, cool, shoot. Yeah. He's got that um, cool bar in the East Village with yeah. the Joe Strummer mural on it. Anyway, right. he he played Metal Baby off Bandwagon Ass I was ah. listening this this week and I was I thought about that album for the first time in a few years. Yep. 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 We're ready for the start of the show, Mr. Buffalo. Oh man. Well you you're you you're, through... you're up. Well, you got through yours very quickly there. I, uh, all right. Well, let's see here. Um, turn it down so it don't echo again. I really got to figure out this software hardware situation, man. Um, book. A book that came out in 1980. I bought it when it first came out. I subsequently lost or loaned it and never got it back bought a new copy on ebay recently the book was originally six dollars and 95 cents but i had to pay 15 bucks to get it on ebay it's a book called blondie by lester bangs and uh it's uh <laughs> lester being one of my favorite all-time favorite writers digs deep into the early history of blondie um the band and um says some some very interesting stuff in there it's a trade paperback it's kind of a short read but full of a lot of historical information uh lester manages to clear up the punk rock argument you know we've all heard punk rock started in england punk rock started with the ramones in 75 in new york it started with the pistols in 76 in england lester says no Punk rock started in 1973 with the New York Dolls. How about that? Imagine yes, it that. Yeah. I'm yes, sure it Jim knew that already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, this time when I read the book, I guess it's because I'm, uh, you know, a lot more mature and I'm not just gawking at the pictures of a young Debbie Harry. <laughs> I enjoyed reading it and uh learned a lot more about her and i learned about the band uh she was in in the 60s band called wind and the willows sounded kind of like the mamas and the papas folk type group and what's weird is that you can go to youtube and find the entire album wind and the willows and uh listen to it you can hear debbie harry in there singing totally unlike anything she's ever sang but you can hear her voice um wind and the willows so the book is Blondie by Lester Bangs. And I would say that anything written by Lester Bangs is great. Yep. And uh, he's, he's just, he was just my inspiration to become a quote-unquote rock journalist. My movie is a 2020 comedy horror movie. I thought the title was so stupid that I just had to see it. The movie is called Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> That's right, folks. Uncle Peckerhead. And it is silly, uh, gory and silly, but fun. Uh, in the story is of a young three-piece rock band. Uh, I can't remember if they're in New York or somewhere else. But anyway, one of the big cities. And, um, you know, they're trying to make something happen and everything like that. Can't get anything to happen. They're, they've recorded a demo, and they're selling it for a buck at their shows. They run into this 
you know, their their van that they're using gets repossessed because they can't pay the bill. So they go look at putting flyers around on people's cars uh, or people that have vans saying, we're a band, can we use your van? <laughs> and so they finally <laughs> land on this one guy's van and he confronts them. He's an older guy, a pretty old guy. And, uh, and he's being kind of a butt. And then he goes, they said, well, we're a band. And he goes, you're in a band? Oh, that's cool. And he starts saying, you know, he comes up with this idea. I can be your roadie and I'll drive the van around, drive you guys around to your gigs. Well, the only thing about, oh, and his name is, uh, you know, he used to work in bands and they called him Peckerhead or Peck for short, which is a lot more respectable. <laughs> so Peckerhead, um, he, uh, he has a little problem. At midnight, he turns into this uh, mad-eating monster, and he has to, like, kill somebody and eat their guts. So, I need to see this tonight. Yeah. I've got to see this tonight. This is a fun, <laughs> wacky, fun movie. But when he's not killing and eating people with those crazy eyes and claws, he's such a nice guy and kind of goofy. And the way he talks is like, hey, guys, how y'all doing? Oh, so good to be here. And he sells merch and get some good deals and does all kinds of stuff and uh you know it's just a uh, hilarity ensues record 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 thank you carrie baker at conqueroo my favorite publicist well not my favorite publicist because if other publicists hear this they'll go what do you mean by that <laughs> i'll say one of the longest running publicists i've ever dealt with and he gets the greatest music and therefore sends it to me I hold in my hand two CDs that came out this week, and they're both reissues of early 70s albums by Little Richard, and uh, from 70 and 71. The uh, one of them's called King of Rock and Roll, which is great, but the one called The Real, R-I-L-L, -L, The Real Thing by Little Richard, uh is my album of the week. It was produced, recorded at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals. Uh, a comeback album, of course. I mean, it is so killer and so timeless and remastered and it sounds so good. It, uh, there was a hit single off of it called Freedom Blues. Plus reworkings of, uh, he redid new versions of Greenwood, Mississippi and Do Drop In. Uh, only Little Richard could cover the Beatles I saw her standing there and sing the woos that they originally stole from him <laughs> yeah yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's all full circle the album contains a rocking take on Hank Williams lovesick blues and has four bonus tracks including two really fun radio ads little Richard uh, promoting his own album and a single that was never put on an album called Shake a Hand If You Can that went on to be recorded by a whole bunch of uh, other people. So that's it. My record is uh, Little Richard, The Real Thing. Check it out. You know, what it came. Yeah, so excellent. That's, uh, that's yeah, the recommendations. Excellent. This week we're going to talk about uh, live albums. And since I'm already talking, I'm going to go ahead and go. Um, I'm going to start by saying that 
we talked about last week, Cheap Trick Live at Bucon. I purposely left that off my list because I didn't want us to all say Cheap Trick at Bucon. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is one of the greatest live albums in the history of the world. My number five has to be, I would not be the ambassador of Southern Rock, and I would be remiss to leave Leonard Skinner's One More From The Road off, produced by the great Tommy Dowd, what I think is one of the greatest producers of all time. Uh, wait a minute, something popped up on my screen. Running out of time, we removed the 40-minute time limit on your group meeting. Okay, well, thanks. Cool. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing as a time limit. Um, anyway, the uh, Leonard Skinner, one more from the road, of course, with a live version of Freebird. It lasts forever. Just ask the drive-by truckers. They know. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. Long song. <laughs> but one of the uh, greatest uh, live tracks ever is their version of T for Texas. I love it. Mm -hmm. And my buddy Rebel, uh, Dwayne Fields, is going to say, yep, I'm glad you said that, because he always tells me that's his favorite live track. My number four is a fantastic album. I've still got it in mono. Yes, folks, mono. And it is The Godfather of Soul, James Brown, <laughs> live at the Apollo. <laughs> It don't get no better, babies. I'm going to tell you what. You crank that sucker up. Man, he got more energy than a 14 Energizer Bunnies. I mean mm -hmm. to tell you, it was so good. And I still like to put that thing on. I ended up getting the, um, a new remastered version of the thing later, but it just didn't sound as good to me as the original mono vinyl. Yeah. Yeah, the mono is better. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. I love it. James Brown. Number three, <laughs> this is not a leap at all from James Brown and Skinner to say number three is Kiss Alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've told this story. Right. Oh, yeah. Going to get this like place hotter than hell. Rock, so, rock and roll party tonight. That's right. How many of you people like to take a drink of alcohol? <laughs> and, uh, and Gene's over there going, not me, not me. Uh, the, um, so anyway, uh, I don't know if I've told this story on the program before or not, but quickly, the story. The day the album was coming out, Kids Alive, I went down. We didn't have, this was before we had a, before, right before we had a mall in Spartanburg. So we had a music store. We had Mercury News, which is a bookstore, right next to Mercury Music Record Store. So I was down there, Mercury Music. I had called ahead to make sure they were going to have Kiss Alive. He goes, well, we've already got them in. This is day four. I said, well, can I come get one? No, oh, not till tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock when we open. And I said, okay. So I was there at 8.30. Nobody else was there, of course. It wasn't like there was a line. <laughs> I was the only one. I got in there and I got my copy of Kiss Alive. Took it back out of the car. 17 years old, baby. 17 years old. Uh, I, uh, you know, took it out of the car and ripped the uh, thing open. My, and I'd already heard that there was going to be a full color booklet in there. And I love the pictures. 
So I opened the album up, and the booklet was not in there. And I'm like, oh, no. So I ran back in the store, and I told the guy, and I still don't think, I never, I, I always say he did not believe. He thought that I I was just trying to get another copy of the book. But it was, no, no, no. So he gave me a new copy of the album and all that, and I was, you know, I just kept that. And I still have the book with the LP, although I ended up wearing that one out and getting another copy or two later on. But at 17, it was so weird because, talk about live albums, I didn't know at the time, I had not a clue that they used the studio so much on that live album. I had no idea that all the crowd noise was, you know, added. No wonder that the screaming never died down throughout the entire Mm -hmm. album. And uh, and also... uh, you know, they'd gone back in and fixed all the missed drum beats that Peter did and all the, you know, guitar mistakes and vocal flubs and all that. And, but all that being said, it was still what it was meant to be as a souvenir of their live show. And that's what it was. Every time I listened to it after I saw them live, I would picture in my mind, you know, all this craziness going on. So that's my number three, Kiss Alive. Number two is a box set. Of course it's a box set because I cheat. Um, this was also in my one time somebody asked me to do a desert island thing. <laughs> this is uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band live 1975 to 85. 40 tracks. Count them. 40 tracks. I had the albums and later I had the CDs. At one point I even had, had the thing on cassette. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen is at his best live. Uh, I was just loved Born to Run. Thunder Road's my favorite all time. Jungle Land, 10th Avenue, Freeze Out. Rosalita, oh yeah. Spirit in the Night, on and on and on. Man, oh man, oh man. I'm a Springsteen nut and proud of it. Speaking of being a nut, my number one is always, this has been my number one album. I, I tell you, periodically, like twice a year, I've got this notebook, started back in the 70s, and about twice a year, I'll list my 100 favorite albums of all time. Not that anybody cares, but I do it for myself. Inevitably, my number two album is Layla and Other Love Songs, and my number one is this one, mm. Almond Brothers at Fillmore East. Sure. Still sure. my all-time favorite live album. Again, it was Tom Dowd at the helm and it just uh Phil Maurice is it's everything to me. I mean it's uh killer. Yeah. Killer so anyway that's that's my um uh, wacky wacky five. That's Let's go list, uh man. who's next? Good... Jim? Okay. That's a good list. Uh oh, thank thanks. You. And I I mean I figured you were gonna do Skinnerd so uh yeah. I had some bears on my list but i really wasn't going to but i just had to you had i think it's a great record and you know two things i'd like to say about it real quick number one is steve freaking Gaines. that was the first record he was on and that guy was a great phenom uh i mean i love gary rossington and alan collins of course great players 
Steve Gaines just like kicked the band up. He added, I'd, he added to it so much. I'd seen him on the, sauce. I'd seen him on the Give Me Back My Bullets tour when they were touring <clears> it with only with only Rossington and Collins without a third guitarist, and they were great. But that was such a great record. The other thing is, it came out, and what blew my mind was their note for note cover of Cream's version of Crossroads. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. put yeah. It down to the note for note Clapton's guitar solos. It just it was seeing a southern rock band do a cover of an English band's cover of a <laughs> blues song just kind of blew my mind. It's, so well, I, Jim, I think let it's me just tack in there. My thought, my thought on it, and I, I've been asked about you know this southern rock thing for so long, but to me, you know, all most of the southern rock bands aren't really southern rock bands because to me, the Almond Brothers are basically a blues, uh, blues yeah. and jazz sure. kind of band. And to me, sure. Skinner was like a British Invasion type band. Yeah. I mean, that that's their major, I mean, they Southern Rock, yeah, sure, blah, 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 blah. Marshall Tucker was a country band, for God's sake. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, when you say that about England and stuff, Ronnie and all of them always said that their major influences were British, you know, yeah. Cream and all those yep. bands like that. So, yeah. there you go. And, um... Yeah, appreciate you or your comments on that. That's really cool. Sure. Go ahead. So here we go. Here we go with my list. You know, now when we do these lists, I typically don't do my five favorite or my what I think are the five best, but I do five that I think are really good and worth talking about, which is where I am. Now, to me, the live album, you know, the classic rock live album is a British band doing a live record in the 70s, some classic rock. And I had to go through several before I decided which one was going to make my five. So the runners up, Humble Pie Rock in the Fillmore, Deep Purple Live in Japan, Fog Hat Live, Thin Lizzy Live in Dangerous, all great records. But the one that made my list with the tip of the hat to my buddy, uh, Neil, who's the bass player in the Billy Eli band and has been my friend since we were literally one year old, is UFO Strangers in the Night. Part of the reason that I picked UFO is because two of the members of the five people on that record have died in the last two months. That's right. Paul Chapman, who played uh, rhythm guitar and keyboards, and Pete Way, the bass player who wrote most of the songs and had a bunch of other bands. He had one called Fast Way with Fast Eddie Clark of, uh, of Motorhead. And anyway, they, he died just a couple weeks ago. But really, UFO Strangers in the Night is great because Michael Schenker. Michael Schenker in his prime playing guitar just was a just your classic 70s hard rock blues bass flashy guitar player and I saw him on that tour with Michael Schenker with his flying V and Phil Mogg excellent hard rock vocalist just tremendous just tremendous and that show was opened by an obscure very little known Australian band called ACDC which was which is a terrific show so that's my number that's my number uh five my number four was going to be skinnered but i'm gonna i've got a backup and that is Jimi hendrix jimmy plays monterey yes it is the the full performance of his breakout set at the monterey pop festival including the ending <clears> of <throat> the wild thing and when he burdens his guitar uh it's just fantastic so i mean you know it's it's a little bit sloppy. He's a little bit out of tune here and there, but it just is visceral rock and roll energy. Uh, and I think it's called, I, it might be called something else now. I got it when it, it first came out on vinyl 
the entire show uh, in uh, in the 80s. There had been a split LP with a side of Hendrix and a side of Otis Redding that came out earlier. Mm. But the entire show came out, and I got it on, on vinyl, and I, I think it's been reissued in, like, Jimi Hendrix Live at Monterey or something. But the one I have is called Jimmy Plays Monterey, and it's his whole set at the Monterey uh, pop, pop Festival. My next one, I figured that I needed to do something that came out this millennium uh, because left to my own devices i'm going to do all stuff from the 70s and 80s probably in the 60s but my pick for more recent live album is wilco's kicking television live in chicago oh yeah a a terrific record they did a five night stand in chicago recorded all of them and put the best on a on a a double cd and you know i i'm a fan of jeff Tweedy's songwriting particularly in the earlier days and he did some really well constructed songs but to me the star of this record, as is the star of Wilco's live shows for the past several years, is Nels Klein on guitar. Mm-hmm. Cue up Impossible Germany and sit back and just have your mind blown. It is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great record. It's a really good record. My next record is Talking Heads. And when you see say Talking Heads in live, you think Stop Making Sense, which is one of the two greatest concert movies along with uh, uh, Russ Never Sleeps, Neil Young. But that's not my pick. My pick is called The Name of This Band is Talking Heads. Mm. It came out in the 80s before Stop Making Sense. It is a, it was, I've got it on vinyl, so it's two records. It, it's a, it does a chronology of how the band evolved, starting with the basic four piece, doing songs from the first two records, and then getting a little bit bigger and doing some of the Eno stuff from Fear of Music and Remain in Light. And then the full-blown, big, you know, big funk rock, African new wave art rock thing. Adrian Ballou. And that's the, that's the thing is, uh, name of this band is Talking Heads, has several tracks with Adrian Ballou on guitar, which Stop Making Sense does not have. And the musicians on Stop Making Sense are great, and it's a great movie. But Adrian Ballou with the Talking Heads was just mind-blowing. And so that's why that's my pick for the Talking Heads live album. Now, did, before I do my number one, a disclaimer. <laughs> I am I am being nice and leaving live at Budokan to Mr. Beach. Chief Chief no, no, no. You're no, not it's doing all yours. it? It's all yours. Well, then I have to, then I, I, okay. Well, then I have a tie for number <laughs> one. I'm going to cheat then if you're not doing Budokan. Cheap Trick at Budokan, it's, it's fantastic. There is... You know, there's the original record, which is very stocked with with songs from the studio album in color, almost all of them better. Uh, then there's uh, a few years ago they put out Budokan, the complete concert, which is a two record set that had more of that great stuff on it, including Downed, which is my probably my favorite cheap trick and, of all time, and a DVD and, and a, DVD. a DVD of of one of the nights, the Budokan nights, the the live record was called from two different nights but the, the dvd is one of the nights it's it's terrific and there's also if you can find it out there an unauthorized record called budokan 2 that that added some stuff from a subsequent tour of budokan which includes some great live versions of stuff from heaven tonight like uh, on top of the world so that's so since since he gave me that i'm going to do that but then my other number one is the who live at leeds uh which is just so incredibly brutally beautiful record 
the thing that gets me about Live at Leeds is it's come out in like 14 different versions. And each time <laughs> it comes out, they add more tracks. The original, uh -huh. the original record only had six songs on it, three aside. And they did, you know, these long improvisational explorations. And they were, you know, clearly moving away from their mod roots, stretching out and, you know, doing some of the Tommy stuff. And this is the band that was about ready to do Who's Next, which is one of the greatest records ever. Um, and then they keep re-releasing it and adding more. And I guess probably the full show is out now. But that first, the first version of that uh, is just is just killer. I've seen the Who maybe half dozen, eight times, something like that. But in 2000, they toured for the first time with Zach Starkey on drums, mm. and they pared the band down. And it was just John Entwistle was still alive, so it was Entwistle, uh, Townsend, Daltrey, Zach Starkey, and then. Uh, rabbit on keyboards and they were live at Leeds the night I saw them in Dallas in August of, of 2000 it was the only who sh show I've ever seen that captured that energy and that, that that how they stretched out and gave their songs room to breathe and just just fantastic the who in their prime was one of the greatest live bands ever and, and I'm so grateful I got to see them kind of recreate that in 2000 so those are mine well, I'm a little bit jealous. I never got to see The Who uh, in person, but seeing them in the movies, uh, we, you know, we used to have a thing in Spartanburg um, back in the days of movie theaters, <laughs> but we'd have midnight shows on Friday at this theater and they would show these rock and roll movies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, that's where I first saw The Who and uh, Daltrey swinging that microphone all over the place and I was like, he's going to break that microphone. But see, I'm a worrywart. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And then, uh, you know, I, I remember they had a uh, Who, uh, I don't know if it's all Who or if it was a, some concert film that had them, but it was paired together with uh, the movie of Tommy, which was fun. I mean, it's a wacky movie, but, you know, anything with Anne Margaret and Pete Townsend is going to be great. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, off to let's go to the beach, y'all. All right, great choices, all gentlemen. I know we're we're kind of tight on time this weekend, so I'll be really really quick with mine. Uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Thanks. Thank you, Donald. Now uh, <laughs> well, my number five uh, from 1985, as it happens, is not a great record by any definition and as soon as i say it was released only on cassettes mr Bill will know what i'm talking about oh yeah for our listeners with delicate sensibilities i'll call it the feces hits the fans by the replacements oh yes a, a disastrous performance in oklahoma at the end of a tour on a sunday night nobody was there and they were so plowed they could barely stand up <laughs> let alone play uh, Somebody was bootlegging, somebody in the, in the crowd was bootlegging the show, and the story goes, I think it was the road manager, Bill Sullivan, stole the tape from the kid who was bootlegging it. They had just signed to Sire, but had not released Tim. They were still on Twin Tone. And instead of, like, throwing this tape away and burying uh, this shameful show, they had their old label, Twin Tone, release it as a cassette-only release. Uh, the reason being, among other things, to let Sire know what they had just paid a bunch of money for. <laughs> it's 
terrible. They they get through maybe three songs out of about three dozen. It is the band at their most dissipated. And they most, are just, mo- mostly covers or yeah. attempts attempts at covers. Almost entirely covers. It's 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 pathetic, and, uh, and it's great. And it's great. And I guess it's kind <laughs> of for obsessives and completists, and that's me. But the uh, you yeah it it existed physically only in cassette form, but it lives digitally among other places on the replacements live archive and, and other places you can find it. So it's a, it's a, it's a word. It's a slang term for feces. It's the fans. <laughs> that's, that's my number five. I guess my number four has to be another one of those. There's no escaping this cliched term, uh, career spanning live albums. The clashes from here to eternity. You know, yesterday was Joe Strummer's birthday and uh, oh. St. Joe Strummer, might have been our only decent teacher as craig finn would say and today is craig finn's birthday i remember jim tried to turn me on to the first clash album it was just too raw i could not even process it as music and then <laughs> and then london calling came out and he said give this a whirl it sounds like they've taken a few lessons <laughs> and then i was hooked and not long after that i was like what was i thinking before this is one of the greatest bands ever and this chronicles their evolution from clubs to theaters to arenas arenas to stadiums or stadia i still still can't decide <laughs> what the plural is but yes that's my number four i was really torn with my number three i thought about um the stooges metallic ko mm-hmm. which is so incredibly it's just nothing but id it's yeah, so uh, primal it is but um uh it's it's a it's a vintage release that was only released in uh, 2003, and that's Led Zeppelin's How the West Was Won. So much better than the song remains the same. Yep. Uh, and it really showcases, I mean, from immigrant, immigrant song on, it is just top notch. And it really highlights how seriously Jimmy Page has taken his job as this band's archivist and repackager. It's just, it's just a tremendous, tremendous performance. Um, it's too bad Lisa's here because she'd appreciate this one. Uh, Muddy Waters live in Newport, I believe, from 1961. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, the heart player in Mud's band was always the star, and this is when he had the great, great James Cotton, and uh, mm-hmm. Lisa's a big James James Cotton fan. He came back He came back to Mud to do uh, Hard Again with Johnny Winter and all that. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous performance. That was a daytime performance. He wasn't even headlining, but they just tore the roof off the place, or at least they tore the roof off the tent. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I, I also tried to be less obvious. Kiss Alive, sure. Cheap Trick of Budokan, sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some love to uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horses Arc Weld from 1991. They had just released Ragged Glory which was the best Crazy Horse album in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. They were really riding high. And they did a really terrific, a long, long version of uh, Like a Hurricane. Oh, speaking of long versions, well, I'll get back to that in a minute. I don't want to spoil my number one. They did a long, long version of uh, Like a Hurricane. And then the second disc, Arc, which is called, which is the first title in the title, it's, it's it's nothing but you know feedback and distortion from the beginnings and endings of songs. And Neil Young said something like, "We made this record specifically 
for people who drove Jeeps with like huge speakers <laughs> driving <laughs> around to annoy other drivers. That was the only reason they made that, they made that record. Um, and you know, uh, Zeppelin's How the West Was Won has a, I think it's a 23 or 24 minute version of Whole Lot of Love. And my number one will sound familiar. It clocks in at a whopping 27 minutes, a mere three minutes longer than a single track on How the West Was Won. And that is, of course, James Brown live at the Apollo in 1963, recorded during, I think it was a five-night stand in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I I really wish it was longer, but of course, this was uh, this was back in the days of show bands and package tours, and man, there was no tighter band on the face of planet Earth yeah. than uh, James Brown's outfit. So that's... It's a great pick. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I got it. I I knew we'd have some doubling up. I'm glad there was only one. (laughs) And and I would throw, I would throw in for the the live at the Apollo that he did in I think '68. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Which also talk about tight bands, man. Uh, Another one, another one of my contenders. I mentioned I mentioned this yesterday when we were happy houring, Jim. But another one of my contenders is also from the Apollo Theater, much more recent. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band at at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. They uh, that's a digital only release that's well worth having. But they open in sort of like show band style, and I think they do "Hold On Coming" or they they cover something by Sam and Dave. It's really a really tight recording. So those, I think I got through all five of them. Yep, yep. And uh, so, and ju- just to repeat, person, woman, man, camera, TV. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. That um, <laughs> I was glad to hear you name drop uh, Mr. James Cotton. Um, yeah. What an amazing player. Uh, at 75, when I saw Johnny Winter the first time, uh, James Cotton Blues Band open. And... Uh, I'll tell you what, we were so worn out after James's band. We're like, wait a minute, Johnny's coming on next. <laughs> I don't know if I got anything left, man. And of course, you know, Johnny rocked it. it during those years, he was he's doing those three rock and roll albums. And, mm-hmm. You know, but he also, toward the end of his set, he went into straight up blues and he brought James out. And uh, I remember Johnny just taking a seat and James sat down on the other seat and they just played guitar and harp and did uh, Sweet Papa John and um, Jeez. Wow. Yeah, several of us saw he did this other song off Still Alive and Well uh, um, I can't remember what it was if it was Cheap Tequila or something but I don't know it's all all good great list great list great list great list well I'm not even going to wait till I get off the air to tell you guys your assignment for next week if you decide to accept it now remember after you hear this, back away because the machine will self-destruct. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about our fav- our uh, essential Tom Petty songs. Ooh. Five Ooh. essential. They may be your favorites. They may not. They you you like they, You guys are both very scholarly in your choices. Me, I just go for what makes me want to rock, you know. But your scholarly things, I know you're gonna, you're already stewing. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. Yep, yep. I don't know. Wildflowers was a good song, but but that's a little too commercial. Um, 
And remember that the traveling wheelberries are not off limits. Sure. <laughs> mm. my, my favorite, one of my favorite groups of all time. I wonder why. Uh, so that's what we'll do then. Uh, anyway, thanks for being say, here did, again, guys. Did you, you say 20, 25 Tom Petty songs? 25 because <laughs> I, I could you do gotta that. pair it down to well me too wow but you gotta pair it down to five and right. what's so weird is to try to not duplicate you two guys are like yin and yang so it's kind of like you know and we'll we'll have to let billy know so he can uh you know next week about five minutes before showtime come up with his five favorite <laughs> or, uh, or or after five or after after you start talking that reminds me my favorite was uh tom petty song was she looked like marilyn monroe oh hey uh if if i could do this i forgot billy yeah. gave us three live albums he wanted mentioned oh good oh good the first one is the live side of zz top's fandango yeah What's the, the word? One, Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Uh, Jailhouse Rock. It's great, great stuff. Uh, the next one is the live disc on the Birds Untitled album. Okay, yep. yeah. With Clarence White just ripping it up on Yeah, that. man. And the third one is the uh, Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen live from Austin, Texas. Uh, from the Armadillo. From the Armadillo recording. Yeah, Armadillo. what a right. great album. So Billy said those, if he were on, he would definitely want those three mentioned. And since none of us had those, I figured. I, uh, I sat having a beer one night in Muscle Shoals with Billy C. Farlow and expounding upon how much I love that album. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it was pretty fun, man. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty fun. That's one way. Too much fun is another way to put it. That's right. That's but, right. Uh, okay, well, that's going to wrap us up. And I'll tell you what, guys, um, as we leave today, we're going to play a cut by what I feel like is the best new band of, unless something really, really great comes along before the end of the year, I'm going to say this is my best new band of 2020. They're called the Georgia Thunderbirds. Mm. And there's a huge buzz going on with these guys. They seriously rock, and um, they have a brand new EP. Uh, their album got pushed back because of the COVID, but they put out a five-song EP, and then the album will come out in November. So we're going to play one of their best songs called Spirit of the Working Man. All right? And um, that's going to do it. I hate to leave, but somebody's got to do it. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find my... I've got too many controls open up, guys. All right. See you guys later.
Mighty, mighty Georgia Thunderbolts from their brand new EP, self-titled EP, and a great song, Spirit of the Working Man. Yeah, baby, yeah. It's going to wrap up today's Kudzu Radio Hour. I want to thank uh, Jim, of course, and Pat and Lisa for a uh, another great show. And, Billy, we miss you, buddy. I hope to see you back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel on most of these networks. <laughs> I'm out of it, folks. I don't know what's going on. I do want to say, I do know this, though, that the uh, program sponsors are very, very important. And I want to say thank you to them. Uh, the program is sponsored by... That little old band from Los Angeles called the Box Masters, who have a brand new album out called Light Rays, and the album's getting great reviews around the world, and it ain't even come out yet. It got pushed back because of the COVID, but it's coming out in September. It's going to be CD, vinyl, or downloads, or all three. And I'm going to tell you something, LPs are still my favorite thing so 
I implore you to, whoa, that's a big word. I implore you to uh, order yourself a copy. Uh, go ahead and do the advance order thing for the Boxmasters Light Rays, featuring the hit single Breathe Easy and a whole bunch more of great songs. And put your calendar in front of you and circle summer of 21. By then, I feel sure that we'll have a vaccine uh, or something and this nasty uh, virus hopefully will be behind us and the box masters will be able to get back out on tour they're chomping at the bit to play for you they've got so much new material so much old material so much great material they're going to be touring the united states as well as europe how about that so all my european listeners and readers Get ready for Billy Bob, or should I say Bud, Bud Thornton. Yeah, that's right. And JD, and Teddy, and the guys coming your way, coming your way. Uh, read all about it at theboxmasters.com, theboxmasters.com, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is uh, the Box Masters official is the name of the thing you want to follow. Also, the program brought to you by our friends, our good friends, Gus and Susan and the whole gang at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken, responsibly raised on family farms. Now, this chicken has no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts, none of that junk. They can mess with your health. So it is healthy, healthy chicken. Uh, get it. Get it. That's all I can say. Order it online and they, they'll ship it to you. Or you can buy it at your grocery store. Look for Springer Mountain Farms chicken. I highly recommend the boneless chicken breast. Find them in the frozen section of your uh, meat department. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, thawing puppies out and grill them. So good. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. Not only is it healthier for you, but it also tastes great. So, yeah, get your Springer Mountain chicken. Make yourself uh, a chicken salad or a chicken sandwich. Kick back. Get yourself a glass of fog hat wine. <laughs> And put on the box, Masters, and you're going to be in heaven. I'm not kidding you. Folks, thanks for listening in, and be sure to tune in next week for more excitement right here on the Kudzu Radio Hour. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and thanks to Pat and Jim and Lisa. We'll see you cats in the sand pile. Thanks. Bye-bye.